Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. I got about five hours worth of teaching we're going to cram in about 55 minutes, okay? So if you want to take some notes, I got something you can take some notes with this morning. And so uh, I want us to go to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. Uh, and this morning, I want to teach on the subject of envy. And uh, I've done this from time to time. Um, and so uh, I, want to, I want to approach this subject this morning. If you were here about three weeks ago, I think we jumped on this on a Wednesday night, and I'm going to try to cover as much ground as I can, okay? And so listen, there's, uh, in, in Bob, if you say his name, Sorgi or Sorg or whatever, uh, wrote a book called Envy, The Enemy Within. I read that book when I was probably, I don't know, in my, in my 20s or late 20s, early 30s. I first had an encounter with the Lord when I was about 20. 22, 23 years old, and I remember the spot in the floor where I was at in Jessup where I had an encounter with the Lord uh, over this subject out of uh, James. And so this morning, I want to I teach on the subject of envy. Listen here, there's not a person in this room that doesn't struggle with this issue. You with me? So we're going to approach it as a teaching style, okay, this morning. How many knows I can preach? I got to quit all this hollering and jumping and spitting and uh, put some substance in so we're going to go home with, Okay. All right, but I am going to holler, I promise you that, because I'm subject to do it at any, any, at any moment. So um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let's go into verse 1. I want to read out the Passion Translation. And uh, um, before I read this, let me just say this, that envy just may be responsible, perhaps more than any other evil or vice, for the quenching the fires of revival, both in the past and the present. Let me tell you something. We don't need an attack of hell to come stop a movement of God. All it takes is one to three to four to five to start envy and get jealousy inside of a body, and you shut that whole movement down. Come on now. All right, so let's look at this. First uh, Corinthians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. For you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you're immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with solid food of, of, or, or, more advanced, or, or more advanced teachings, because you wasn't ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready to be fed solid food, for you are living, you're living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves this. Ask yourselves is there, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves you are living your life centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers. When you divide yourself up in groups, uh, as, as Paul's group or as Apollos' group, you're acting like people without the Spirit's influence. How many knows that's good? My God, that's a mouthful. Let's all hit the altar and go home. 
Let's have an altar call. Come just as I am, Lord, please. Are uh, you with me? Now listen to this. Um, envy has the power to sabotage our personal destiny in God because God cannot honor our efforts when they are subliminally driven by impure motives as hidden in the crevices of our hearts. Our fruitfulness in Christ will, will inescapably be impeded. Now, I want to go through four reasons. I'm going to teach you a lot, okay? If you allow me the opportunity, I'm going to drop a lot on us here. And if you want to take notes, you can. If not, you get the message right here. But I'm basically going to give you a synopsis of several years of study, Bob Sorg's book, all in one setting right here in 50 minutes, okay? Uh, if you've not read that book, Envy, Enemy Within, it is one of the best reads you can ever read. So, all right, let, listen here. There's four reasons why envy remains in our lives. There's four reasons why this, this, this spirit of competition resides in the church, why it resides in our life where envy and jealousy come to the surface. I'm going to give you um, uh, actually five reasons. Number one, I'm not fully established and at rest in my identity in Christ. How many knows that God doesn't need another John Bagley? He does not need another Steve Batts. He doesn't need another Rod Parsley, T.D. Jakes, Bill Johnson, or whoever the latest greatest is. Are you with me? God needs you. That is why he puts you on the earth. No one carries your fingerprint. No one has your destiny but you, and we're all important in this room. You with me? All right, so number one, I'm not fully established at a rest in my identity in Christ. I have insecurities that have not been fully healed through the power of his grace. I am ungrateful for what God has given me. His gifts are not enough for me. I also want what he has giving another. My heart is motivated at a fundamentally level by an element of self-interest, self-preservation, and self-promotion. I am not able to fully celebrate my brother's success because of my underlying feelings of competition and ambition in my soul. My carnality is impeding the unity of the body of Christ, the unity that is central to the bride's preparation. Listen to this. When envy becomes easy to confess, victory becomes closer in reach. That is the issue with any issue of our heart. Whatever it be, lust, jealousy, greed, when it becomes easy to confess, how many knows that victory is on the way? The enemy moves in darkness, friend. Are you with me now? So anytime we cut the light on any issue in our life, when we cut the light, the, easily the power of the enemy is broken. Hello, that's good right there. Listen to this. Vine's Exposionary Dictionary has, de has defined envy as the feeling of displeasure produced by witnessing or hearing the advantage of the prosperity of others. Webster Dictionary defines envy as the painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another, joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. Now let's look at the book of Galatians chapter 5. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. I'm trying to hurry up and get somewhere because I really want to hang out in the book of Matthew 25, but I've got to set it up before we can get there. Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 19. Look at this. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality. Lustful thoughts. Pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envied of the blessing of others, uh, murder, controlled addictions, uncontrolled addiction, wild parties, 
Hey, come on right here with the passion. And all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom of God? Listen to this. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine, is, is, is divine love in all various expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. So listen to this. Paul's writing in Galatians that envy comes from where? It comes from the carnal life, not from the new life. When we get settled in our new identity in the Lord, when we get settled in the new man that God created in you, friend, these things that d- d- reside in the old lifestyle of the fleshly na- of our fleshly nature, such as envy and jealous, this is where this is coming from. And what I have found in the church, I've been at this for a little bit of time. What I've found that most of our most of our judgments, most of our I believe this is going on in someone else's life, most of it flows from suspicion and not from the Holy Spirit. Any listen, suspicion is the counterpart of the prophetic. It is the enemy of the prophetic. Are you with me now? And what happens is, is how many knows that you can, like, let me just show you how suspicion works. God help me right here. Let me show you this. You, you, you could not even be thinking about Shane. But if I went and met with you and told you a couple of things that I thought about Shane in a negative light, all of a sudden you would start seeing him in a negative light. This is how this thing works to spread throughout a body. You with me? So when Paul addresses this, he says this is not coming from our new life, but it is coming from, uh, from, from, from the fleshly side. Now let's just say this. Envy is a natural byproduct of being favored by God. It is the tallest tree that gets hit by lightning. Those who stand out from among their brethren often come under attack. Now listen, people don't, people don't envy losers. They envy winners. And now here's the thing. The only way that I'm going to grow in my faith is to get beside someone that is more advanced than me. So what I have to kill in my life, if I want to change my financial status, listen, if you are praying for a financial breakthrough, help me out here, Lee, just a little bit on this. If you are praying for a financial breakthrough to come in your life, God is not going to send somebody into your life that is broke. He's not going to send a broke person into your life because the broke person cannot help you financially. Come on, somebody. And he's not going, he's going to send somebody that doesn't dress like you. Most of the time when God brings something into our life that we need, he will bring it in a package that you don't like. When God brought the kingdom to the earth, he brought it in a package the Pharisees didn't like. They could not understand how the king of glory would be born in a manger. Why would he come into Jerusalem not riding on a stallion but riding on a young colt? Come on, somebody. But he come holy, uh, he come humbly, the king did. And so here's the thing. God will begin to bring the breakthrough that you and I desire in a package that we don't like because he's really going to see if we're after him. Come on now. And so here's the thing. God doesn't mind, God doesn't mind offending us of what we think we already know. So here's the thing. If I want, if I want to change up my, my economic status by learning from someone that God brings in my mind, I, in my life, help me, Holy Ghost, that I will have to deal with the subject of jealousy and envy. Are you with me? Now, let me go through this. Soci- sociologists have, have, have coined the term limited good. 
to describe a commonly held idea that there is only so much honor and prosperity and success available to to the citizens of a society at any given time. So for one citizen to increase in success, he must of necessity take it from the success of others in that society. Envy, they say, is thus the natural response of citizens in a society who, when looking upon the success of someone, realize that that success has came to that person at their own expense and loss. This idea that there is only so much to go around is not found in the kingdom of God. Listen to this. The resources of God towards his children are lavishly boundless and extravagantly plentiful. That is a poverty mindset to believe because Dusty just got blessed. He stole your blessing. How many knows that God's got enough slices on the pizza? It don't matter if a hundred slices go missing. There's still enough pizza to go around. This is why we train our kids over next door. We don't, we don't, you don't got to come in here and t- take tater chips home and steal as many bags as you can get because God's kingdom always has enough. And we've got to begin to break this mindset off of us. Come on, somebody. If, if, if Harry gets the blessing of God, we've got to learn how to celebrate the fact that he got the blessing of God. And a lot of times the thing I'm praying for sometimes my neighbor that's sitting right next to me will get the very thing that I'm asking God for because God just checks our own heart from time to time. And here's another thing that we've got to establish in this room, that God blesses our brothers and sisters in the Lord, in the faith, right in front of us. David was not taken in a green room in privacy and had the ram's horn poured on him. Are you with me now? David had the ram's horn of oil poured on him right in front of all of his brothers. This is the way God does it. God exists exalts our brothers and sisters right in front of us to see what's in our own heart. And let me just say this. If we can't learn to celebrate the success of someone else, we are never going to get to the place that God that we desire in our own life until we can learn how to celebrate someone else. Are you with me? James chapter 3. I'll get to something in a minute. Mm. James chapter 3. Let me tell you this, the, the time of the season when this, when this became alive in my life, we were on staff at a church, Catherine and I were. I had been preaching probably for about five years at this time, and we were, we, I had the privilege, I was at one time fully booked itinerant, that's hard to believe. My friends won't even let me preach for them anymore. But here's the thing, <laughs> I, was, I was booked fully. We was on staff at this church, and we, we the pastor hired another staff member, which happened to be a female. I, I don't bother me about females. We our our pastor was a senior pastor was a female. She could preach the, the walls down, strong worship leader. And in this process, we hired a new staff member. And there was this there was this illustrated sermon that was going to be preached. If you've been here for a while, you've heard me quote this, and I can still remember that day. It was called a ship called destiny. The elders of the church was outside underneath the foyers. People approached the building that day. And so uh, we were coming in, and this new staff member, this new staff member was gifted in the area of children. Uh, And so she was going to be basically helping with the children, helping in the office and all this stuff. And and so I had the youth group, but she was going to be teaching the little children. At this point in my life, I felt like youth ministry was a demotion. How are you going to put me back there in the youth, tri- in the youth building when I've done preached all over the place? I've had more itinerant pr- uh, scheduled than the pastor did. Hello, come on, somebody. Y'all know, 
Y'all don't ever hear no language like this. Huh? Everybody can preach better than the preacher. Everybody can coach better than the coach. Why is he making? All right, let me get off. I got to stay on. All right. So we're doing this ship called Destiny. Well, I noticed that the elders had some things in their hands. As, as we approached the building, the, the elders was giving out like, like bars or stripes, if you will, or these pins to let, to let the people know what they were when they came in the building. And so you, 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 when you approached the building, you found out whether you was a lieutenant, whether you was a colonel, whether you was a captain, or whether you was just a scrub at the bottom, I mean just a deckhand on the ship. You know what I'm saying? So I'm approaching the building, and I'm adjusting my jacket as we approach the building. I got Catherine there, and Grant's a baby at this time, and we're approaching the building. I, I knew at least I was a captain of 50. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a man of my rank and status at this time. I was at least a captain of 50. And when I got there to get my pen, when I got there to get my pen, I didn't get a captain's pen. I got just a, I mean, just a deckhand, the entry level into the ship. And I remember walking into that building thinking, my God, these people ain't, they don't even realize who I am. Hello, y'all ain't never had no thoughts like this, have you? They don't even realize who I am. I mean, I can preach circles around our pastor, and they got me as a deckhand up in this place. We got on in there. I couldn't even get in worship. I couldn't even get involved in worship because all I could see was that little bitty pin hanging on my big old jacket and nobody didn't recognize who I was. What you got to understand is God knows who you are. I'm telling you something I had to come to in my early 20s. God knows who you are. He knows where you live. He knows what gifts in your life. Come on, somebody. And he will pull you to the front in due time and due season. The main thing is learn how to establish a relationship with the Lord that goes beyond the Sunday service and a Wednesday night service. Study to show yourself approved and learn how if you get the attaboys from him, that is the only place you need. Because if you live your life by the praises of men you will die by their criticism so you have to have a, de a deeper level with God than that and so I remember in this season that one time the pastor got sick and the pastor called and said called the house and talked to Catherine and said tell John he's got to preach today well, I said, well, why did, why did they call a deckhand to come preach the gospel? Why didn't they call? Because the new staff member walked in ahead of me, and she got like four stripes ahead of who I was. I told Catherine, I said, well, they need to call a captain if they want somebody to preach. They don't need to call no little deckhand. Why don't we put her up there and see what she's got? The whole time, God's just got his hand right there. Come on, y'all. How many knows, listen, listen, you can, you, can, you can bicker and you can complain and you can do it in your own bedroom. How many knows God's got the recording of it? Come on now. It, listen, what is holding us back is not devils. It's our own mouth and our own heart that is preventing us from walking into deeper things of God. Now, so James, so now I'm at the point that, let me go a little deeper this. We used to meet as leaders in, in, in Douglas, Georgia, at the Holiday Inn, those that's been in this church for a length of time will remember back to the days that we met at the Holiday Inn. Well, there was a certain gentleman, and I'm not going to call his name, but he became successful really quick. And for the first 45 minutes of every meeting, we had to sit there and hear about all the success of this young man. 
I'm sitting there with a bunch of other preachers and we're hearing the success of so-and-so. Oh, so-and-so preached Sunday and 25 got saved. So-and-so shaking up things that we ain't seen happen in the last 50 years. So-and-so, man, look at the people that are standing in line to get in his church. So-and-so's running revivals here. My God, signs, wonders, and miracles. So-and-so this and so-and-so that. I got so sick of hearing about so-and-so sitting there, but my real issue was the, the the fact that this, what I really wanted was my name called like that. Come on, somebody. The issue wasn't so-and-so, and the issue wasn't the leader of the group. The issue relied in my own, was, was hidden down in my own heart. And so here's the deal. There's things that will remain hidden in us until opportunity reveals that. You take, somebody says, well, if I could just win the lottery, I'd give. You wouldn't give a dime if you won the lottery. If you're already given, that would just enable you to do more of what you're already doing. All right, let's look right here at James chapter 3. I know that there ain't nobody in here struggling with this. I'm just preaching for the sake so that we can put it on, we can put it on CD, okay? And we send it to people who do deal with this stuff. Listen to this. If you consider yourself to be wise, I'm in James chapter 3. I'm in verse 13. If you consider yourself to be wise and one who understands the ways of God, Advertise it with a beautiful, fruitful life, guided by wisdoms, gentleness. Never brag or boast about what you've done, and you'll prove that you're truly wise. But if there is what bitter jealousy or competition hiding in your heart, then don't deny it and try to compensate for it by boasting and being phony. For that has nothing to do with God's heavenly wisdom, but can be best described as the wisdom of this world, both selfish, look at this, devilish. So, if you're reading out of the New King James, it'll say it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. It gives three different spheres to what this spirit carries, envy and jealousy. It is selfish, devilish, demonic. So, where, so wherever jealousy and selfishness are uncovered, you will also find many troubles and every kind of meanness. The King James renders that every kind of evil thing are present when you, under, when you get in to find this place. Are you with me? Now, let's look at this. James connects envy with self-seeking. What is self-seeking? What is selfish ambition? It means you desire for your life what God hasn't had for your life. I'll never forget that a person came to our church when I pastored at the previous place. And I remember this lady approaching me, and this is what she said. She got kind of upset after being there for about six months. And she looked at me, and she said, I've been to five places. She said, I've been to five places. And she said, what I can't understand, this is the fifth place that I've been to, and the leadership does not recognize what's on my life. And I looked back at this lady, and this is what I said. I said, ma'am, I said, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but you've got to come to terms with what you think's on your life is not there. Because you're telling me you've been to five places and five spiritually gifted people that are established as God's ordained leadership in that house, and they don't recognize what's on your life. Probably what you want on your life is not there. Come on, y'all. Y'all sitting here like, are you with me? 
The gifts will make room for themselves. You don't have to keep saying who you are. D d listen, if a fruit tree's planted out here and it's got oranges on it, they won't, listen, it'll just take time to mature, but eventually oranges is going to start hitting the ground out there, okay? And we'll be able to easily say that's an orange tree. Listen, self-seeking. James, James goes on to say that envy will boast in a lie against the truth because it is rooted in pride. It's easily lead to boasting about oneself. The source of envy and boasting, James tells us, is not from above. Rather, it describes a threefold source of this kind of envy. It is earthly. It's rooted in the natural realm. It is sensual based on data received from the five senses. Listen to this. It is based on data received from the five senses rather than from the Spirit of God. It is demonic, inflamed by demonic activity. Listen to this. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 3 says this. This is talking about the seven spirits of God, which is speaking of Jesus Christ. It said he did not judge. He did not judge by the hearing of the ear or the seeing of the eye. Most of us judge people by what we see and hear. All right. Just as self-seeking shadows envy, so does strife. Strive is contention between people and a struggle for superiority. Strive is often motivated by envy. I sent this out last week. I'm reading a book, and it's a story of St. Benedict. He's in early, um, um, about, five, about 540, in the early 500s. And St. Benedict wrote a book on monasteries. And in his work on monasteries, he talked about how he kept the peace with monks. Listen to this. And so one of the things that were permitted is an ingratitude. You always had to have a heart of gratitude. So if anybody started grumbling and complaining, this is how he dealt with it. He said this is how in his book that he wrote on how that monasteries should function, St. Benedict said this. He said when we found someone grumbling and complaining, he said we sent to Father Abbott. He said Father Abbott would send two stout monks. Listen to me. He would send two stout monks because they had found that with the two stout monks that a left jab to the solar plexus and a right hook to the jaw, Quickly, come on, y'all. Man, y'all up in like a Baptist church. Listen, quickly subsided any quarreling and complaining. So I, I thought to myself, my God, we need that in every church in America. We need to reinstate St. Benedict's ministry of opening a can on people. Fill in the blanks. Listen to this. Philippians chapter 1. We got some stout monks in him that we can send to your house. <laughs> hey. Oh, Philippians chapter 1. Look at this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 5. Look at verse 4. My prayers for you. My prayer. No, no, let me go right here. Verse 12. I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me has not hindered but helped my ministry of preaching the gospel, causing it to expand and spread to many people. For now, the, for now the elite Roman guards and government officials overseeing my imprisonment have plainly recognized that I am here because of my love for the anointed one. And what I'm going through has actually caused many believers to become 
even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate to preach the word of God all because of my chains. It is true there are some who preach Christ out of competition. Look at this. And controversy. For they are jealous over the way God has used me. Many have many many others have pure motives. They preach with grace and love filling their hearts because they know they know I have been destined for the purpose of defending the revelation of God. Look at this. Paul deals with two types of way to approach ministry. Number one, out of a selfish gain. Number one, the other side is out of love. This, this selfish gain comes from the Greek word erathea, and it is a word to describe a hireling. Someone working for pay, someone who is concerned only with his own welfare, a person who is susceptible to being bribed. Erethea pictures an ambitious, self-willed person seeking opportunities for promotion. The opposite motivation for preaching the gospel was out of love. Now, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught us three things. I'm trying to hurry up to get to the parables because I'm going to spend my last 30 minutes in Matthew 25. Jesus told us in Matthew 6 to do three things in secret. What were those three things? Pray, fast, and give. If we are faithful to do these three things, what did he say would happen? He would what? Come on, church. Y'all can handle something besides spitting and hawking, can't we? He would give us what? He would reward us openly. So so listen, when rewards come openly, when rewards come openly, what has preceded the rewarding? Faithfulness in the secret place. Faithfulness in the secret place leads to rewards openly. So if we pray, if we fast, and if we give in secret, God said that he would reward us openly. So when the rewards come openly, what happens is what happens is that people begin to see the outward dividends paid to the individual, thus see the rewards happening to them, which causes us to become jealous and causes us to become envious of each other. When we are rewarded openly, byproduct happens inside of a body, inside of a church when we different ones start getting it. You could translate this everywhere else. You could take it to the football team. What I'm preaching translates into all walks of society. You think you're the one that deserved a promotion on the job, but you didn't get it. Come on, somebody. Let the one that got it three rows down from you and eventually, if that deal is not dealt with in your heart, you're going to start backbiting. You're going to start talking to people on the job. You're going to start putting them down and you're going to start having a whole different look about that individual and every time that happens you keep sliding yourself down and it ain't God doing it to you it's your own heart that keeps putting you down on the ground hello so if we're faithful with the three things we will be rewarded openly now here's the deal when people start getting rewarded openly and we see dividends being paid to them what we quickly forget is the price that they have paid to be where they're at Anybody that is used by God, I can tell you, has been through hell. Anybody that has a successful business that is thriving and growing has been through hell. I'm going to say that again because I just like to cuss in church. Listen, anybody that has been used of God greatly has been through hell. 
Acts chapter 9, Paul is, uh, Saul, Paul is Saul of Tarsus at this time. Ananias is praying and seeking God. God has already knocked Saul of Tarsus off of his horse. He's laying on the road to Damascus. He cries out, who are you? He's, stri- he's stricken blind by God, is he not? He's led to a place and he's in prayer. Ananias hears God speak to him and says, I want you to go to, I want you to go to this house. I want you to lay hands on Saul of Tarsus. He's blind. When you lay hands on him, his sight's going to be returned to him. And I want, and he's crying out to God, God, we've heard all kinds of stuff about this man. I mean, this ain't a good guy. I mean, this guy's killing people. He had Stephen's clothes in his hand. This guy's a killer. And, and Jesus speaks back. This is in red, in your new King James, in your King James. In Acts chapter 9, around verse 15 and 16, he says, you go tell Paul because I'm about to show him, I'm about to reveal to him how much he will suffer for my name's sake. Listen, everybody you see on TV, listen, they had a road to get there. They did not get there overnight. Listen, everybody wants to, everybody wants to see, I, I just hate you, I'm going to just use him. Everybody wants to see Danny now in the, in the glass building and driving the BMW. But there was days when he had the Volkswagen that he had to push and pop the clutch and crank it to get on down the road. Everybody wants to see Steve now. But let me tell you something, everybody's got to start somewhere. And the, and the life they live now is because of, of a faithfulness to God and a faithfulness to the process in their life. And they did not give up or cave in. Now, here's the deal. If we want the same thing on, on, in our life, we will say yes to process. Anybody that does not take the stairs but gets the elevator, I can promise you this, you will be unqualified to reign over what you get to the top to do. When it comes to ministry, we can go in that office and we can pull the filing cabinet out. My God, I feel like Dusty Rhodes a minute. Listen, I got to calm down. How many preachers did we see start out, went quickly into the ministry only to burn out within five years? Listen, statistically, I was just with the Assembly of God guru just a couple of weeks ago. He said this, one out of every 20 preachers that start out, only two will be in the ministry after five years. You know why? Because you will suffer immensely for preaching the gospel. And if you don't have some type of development besides some book you just read or a message you downloaded off the internet, you will not make it, friend. Paul spent 14 years in the backside of a desert before he ever showed up on the scene. Jesus spent 30 years preparing for three and a half years of ministry. And we got young folk think they can preach the gospel in six months. Oh, my God. I can get over in another thing of life. Marriage is the most important covenant that you will ever make on this side besides your relationship with Jesus. Most people, the most preparation you go for in a marriage is what you're going to do, where you're going on the honeymoon, and where you're getting the wedding dress from. That's why within six months after the honeymoon's wore off, come on, somebody, you're in my office wondering what the, what's going on up in this house. When the planning should have started, when you realized that was the one you was going to make the covenant with, we should have been dealing with a lot of issues back there besides wondering what kind of wedding dress. Because you ain't going to make it off of love and grits, I can tell you that. You're going to have to make it off of commitment and covenant. I'm I'm, I'm sidetracking right here. Let me tell you where where we made wrong. (laughs) Listen you know that God's created just that one person, just that one special person 
And I got to search the end of the globe to find that one special person. I believe in that to some degree. But if you put your whole basis on your relationship, that that was the one person God created, when you run into trouble, you start believing that wasn't the person that God created. So here's the bigger picture. No, that's the one you chose, Johnny. When I saw her in Baxley, Georgia, when I was preaching, she came out to a dance and did a dance. And I was throwing dollar bills. No, let me quit. I got to quit. Lord Jesus, I quit. I'm going to quit. No, I'm going Lord, I better quit. I'm, I'm, let, let us pray. We got to go. We're closing right now. Closing. Closing. Man, Lord. Ah, right, get it back. Hey, get out your carnal side now. Come on. I'm trying to talk spiritual stuff to you. I know. She was dancing to Alabaster Box, C.C. Winans. I was standing there. Listen, you got to understand at this time in my life, I just broke up with a girl. So I'm actually at this church called Don't Want to Go to My Church because just, I just broke up with a girl. Her family's calling the elders of the church, everybody. I've lost my mind. So she comes out. My God, the anointing was there. And the pastor's wife, she says she's single. Within three months from me seeing her, we were married. Every day we woke up ain't been roses. I hate to say that. That's real life. Throw two, three kids, an SUV, and a mortgage, you got you something then. You got you a disaster recipe. You with me? What makes us make it is covenant, which is something that's totally lost out of our society. Because we're such a consumer-based mentality. When you buy something, if you don't like it, you can take it back. Marriage is not approached that way, friend. Hello. It's a covenant. All right. I got to quit chasing these rabbits. Listen to this. People envy people. Want to be T.D. Jakes. I'm going to get in this parable of talent right here. Listen. I, I gotta, let me just skip right here. Let's go to Matthew 25 because we got to hang out in here. I know how to... Um, I know how like when you come with five or six sheets of paper, I know everything ain't got to be preached. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25. <laughs> Steve over there praying. Boy, I heard him praying in tongues. Lord, don't let him use them all. Don't let him use them all. <laughs> all right, this ain't my first ride, okay? I know, how to, I know how to cut and weed through. I'm dicing it up now for the sake of time. We fit to speed up a little bit, okay? Matthew chapter 25. Verse 14, I've got to read this. And again, Kev, and again, heaven's kingdom realm is like, is like the wealthy man who went on a long journey, summoned all his trusted servants, and assigned his financial management over them. Before he left on his journey, he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one of his servants, to another a bag of 2,000 gold coins, and to the third a bag of 1,000 gold coins each according to his ability to manage. Underline that in your Bible. Each according to his ability to manage. If you want to increase, learn how to manage. The one entrusted with 5,000 gold coins immediately went out and traded with the money. He doubled his investment. In the same way, the one who was entrusted with 2,000 gold coins traded 
with the sum and likewise doubled his investment. But the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins dug a hole in the ground and went and buried his master's money. After much time had passed, the master returned to settle accounts with his servants. The one who was entrusted with 5,000 gold coins came and brought 10,000, saying, see, I've doubled your money. Commending his servant, the master replied, you've done well in proving yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you've been faithful to steward and manage a small sum, now I'll put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, come celebrate with me. Then the one who had been entrusted with 2,000 gold coins came and said, see, my master, I've doubled what you've entrusted to me. Commending his servant, the master replied, you've done well in proving yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you were faithful to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, come celebrate with me. Then the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins came to his master and said, look, sir, I know that you are a hard man to please. And you are a shrewd and ruthless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. I was afraid of you, so I went and hid your money and buried it in the ground. But here it is. Take it back. It's yours. Angered by what he heard, the master said to him, You untrustworthy and lazy servant. If you knew that I was, I was a shrewd and ruthless businessman who always makes a profit... Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Then I would have received it all back with interest when I return. But because you were unfaithful, I will take the 1,000 gold coins, give them to the one who has 10,000, for the one who has will be given more until he overflows with abundance. And the one with hardly anything with what little he has will be taken from him. That don't sound like good politics, does it? You'll take from the poor and give it to the rich. Let's establish this. There's a reason why the rich is rich and the poor is poor. Mm-hmm. All right. I didn't come up with that. That's not a Republican slogan. That's God's slogan right here in the Word of God. Then the master said to the other servants, Now throw the good for nothing servant far away from into the outer darkness where there will be great misery and anguish. Now, here's the deal. I've never heard this preached this way until I saw that in Bob Sorg's book. He uses this, and he calls it the talent showdown. And it happens in every church across America. Where we see it the most is the worship team. This is where the enemy really loves to hide is on the stage. Because if he can hijack that right there, he's got the whole plane going somewhere. If he can steal our praise, he's got us beat down. When David come back and he found what city burnt with fire and destroyed, Ziklag, which was a city of what? Judah. Praise. That's where he always wants to take you at. If he's got you from praising God, he's got you half beat down. You tied down then. Hello. But here's the reality. God loves us all the same in this room, but we are favored at all different levels in this room. Could you not say that in that? Could we not agree with that? 
Now, in this parable, one is given five, some are given two, and some are given one. Now, I don't believe that all of our lives in this room are either five talent, you're two talent, you're three talent, you're two talent, or one talent. I believe we all fall in somewhere in between in these slots. And here's the deal. Whatever talent you're at, God wants to do what? Increase. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to increase me. I hope that's your heart this morning. We got 19 minutes left on the flight, okay? God wants to bring increase into all of our lives. So he wants to increase the talent you have, and he wants to bring increase to it. All right. Now, first of all, God gives the talents according to our ability to manage. Now, there's a lot of people that say, hey, I want to be Warren Buffett. Why can't I just be him? Why can't I be T.D. Jakes? Why can't I be Danny? But here's the thing. If you get strapped on you, more talents than what you can have the ability to manage, it will crush you and burn you out. So God wants to grow you along with the gifting that he has upon your life. Now here's the deal. What's the main thing is not that you have the gifting. It's that you have the character to hold the gifting you have. Because you could be the greatest gifted individual in this room with the poorest character and you are killing more people than you are helping. You with me? Now, he gives it according to our ability to manage. How do you increase or multiply your talents? It's simply this. Number one, maturity. This is how some people could go from, let me just say this. You have what you have. Who is the giver? Who's the giver of the, who is the giver of the talents in this parable? God. Who are the recipients of the talents? We are. When he returns, what is he looking for? He's looking for increase of what he has given us, which is all leadership. Leadership, according to Bishop Jakes in his leadership seminar, said this. Leadership is simply when you've been handed something, you move it forward. If you did not move what you have been handed or brought increase to what you have been handed, you never let it. You babysit it. God, that's good. But this is one of them sermons like, man, I mean, I thought he was just going to love on us. That's why Terry hugged us before we got the message today. You're going to need some hugging before you leave today. Are you with me? Hear me? Listen, when God entrusts us with something and he entrusts me with something, he expects me to grow and develop myself in my gift. It is the same way with everyone in this room, whether you're gifted on the stage or not. If you're a musician, there should be hours upon hours spent in the secret place playing that instrument, not just on Sunday morning. If the only time you touch the instrument is Sunday morning, we're going to struggle. If the only time Matt is in the presence of God is on Sunday morning, we are going to struggle up in this room. That's why I do not task him as much as I task Stanton because I want him in the secret place, hearing the voice of God, what God is saying, develop your gift in the secret place, just like David. Lay down and record something before God. You with me? Now, Maturity, as we grow into adulthood, sometimes there are gifts that were latent within us, but that came to light simply because we grew up and learned how to access them. Here's another way, awakening. Some gifts can remain dormant within us until a skillful teacher comes along who knows how to unlock what has been within you all along. 
This is the role really of the apostolic because apostolic people call out the gifts in other people. When Paul went to lay hands on young Timothy, he said, fan into flame the gifts that went in your life from the laying on of the hand of the presbytery. That wasn't just some elders in the church that laid hands on him. That was an apostolic presbytery setting divine government over his life, imparting something into him. This is why he writes in Romans, I long to come preach the gospel to you that I may impart some spiritual gift into your life. This is the gifts of awakening that come through mature leaders in the body of Christ that carry weight and carry gifts and have the ability to part them in this room. If Reinhard Bunke stood on that stage, all of us in here would leave this room burning for the harvest. He, what, what, what happened is he just imparted the gift of an evangelist inside of us. So awaken. This is how things come alive. Cultivation. When you're faithful to cultivate and multiply our talents, sometimes it is amazing to what level of skill we can discover. How do I cultivate? Paul told Timothy to fan into flame, activate, cultivate that gift that's on the inside of you. If you have the gift to prophesy, you should be gleaning from mature fivefold prophets. If you want to teach, glean from mature five-fold teachers like a Copeland, Charles Stanley. Y'all, y'all, y'all get me up in here? All right. We got about 14 minutes. We're going to be serving peanuts in a minute to help us. Listen to this. Download. This is another way. Download. Downloads are supernatural activities that only come from God. That means you go into the Lord, you have an encounter, and God supernaturally downloads a gift inside of you. I saw this happen when I was 19 years old. In a Sunday night service in Nichols, Georgia, I saw a girl go down under the power of God. She got up off the floor, and she could play the piano fluently. When I was 19. Let me tell you another. uh, Mariah Woodworth Edders, whoever's ever heard of her. She's in God's Generals. She preached and went into this trance, and for a 20-mile radius, nonstop miracles happened. In the, in the trance. When the Lord showed up to her, he went to her and he said, Mariah, why are you not in my harvest field? She said, Lord, I'm a woman. And she said, I do not know the scriptures. According, I think this is in God's generals. She looks and there was a burning Bible that, was, that appeared in thin air. A burning Bible that appeared into the thin air. And, and the Lord spoke to Mariah and said, look upon the Bible. And as she looked upon that fiery Bible, God downloaded the 66 books of the Bible into her instantly. These are downloads. Y'all, I'm te- I ain't just talking about this this morning. I believe this is available. Come on, somebody. When I go into a place of prayer, I say, God, download. Listen, the things that we have that are, that are, that are in this nation with the divisiveness that we see in Washington and everything going on, we need somebody that can peer into another realm and say, God, download something into us that can bring healing to this nation. Come on now. I could go into a lot of prophetic stuff concerning the nation, but I don't believe we got ears to hear it, so we're going to skip it. We'll leave that on the shelf. Listen to this. But there's a whole lot more going on than what, than what Fox News and CNN is going to give you. You fit to see massive corruption uncovered in this nation. And it ain't just on the Trumps, I can tell you that. So you can take that home with you as homework. Listen to this. You can only work with the talents that God gives you. 
Talents can be grown and multiplied. Listen to this. God's looking for two things concerning your talents. He's looking for goodness, which you can translate character. And he's looking for faithfulness. How many members in Acts chapter 1, they had a business meeting inside the church? They in this upper room praying. They've been in here for several days. There's only 11 apostles, but God can't work with 11 because 11 is confusion. 12 is the number of divine government. When Elijah prayed the fire down from heaven, said, well, it don't, you ain't got to have government. You ain't got to have all four. We can just work with a teacher. Come on. I'm going to show you right here. If that was the case, why didn't, why didn't David, when he took out Goliath, why didn't he go get three stones out the river? Why didn't he get four, but he grabbed five? When the miracle in John 5, had, he didn't have four porches on that place, the, the, the pool of Bethesda, which means house of outpouring, place of grace. It didn't have four porticos. It had five. Come on. When God asked Moses, that when Moses asked God to see his glory, come on, somebody, he didn't show him his glory. He showed him his goodness, the hinder part of his goodness. He answered the prayer of Moses with his glory in Matthew 17 when he was transfigured before Jesus. Come on, somebody. When he was transfigured in Jesus, that's where he answered Moses' prayer. He pulled Moses out and said, I ain't forgot your prayer. I'm not showing you the glory. Here it is. Look upon his face. It's Jesus. And he waited 1,500 years to answer his promise. But when he got ready to see, him to see his goodness in the hinder parts where he wrote the five books of the penitent, come on now, he places him in the cleft of the rock. Come on, y'all. He put him in the side of Jesus and put a hand over him, the fivefold, boom. Then you can see my glory. When Elijah sees the cloud the size of a man's hand. All right, I got to get off that. I'm chasing rabbits. Let me stick back to here. Listen. God's looking for faithfulness. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Let me finish this up because you know I'm ADD. All right, in Acts chapter 1, I'm back to there. Took me a minute to get there. Acts chapter 1, they got this prayer meeting. Realize it can't be 11. They got to be 12. Notice the criteria. Notice the criteria of casting the lots. They said, we need to find the one that has been to seminary. If they've been to seminary, if they've got a King James, they've attended church for three years, and they were tithers. Let's cast lots. Is that what they did? Huh? They said, let us find the ones that has been with us since the very beginning. Because if you can't stick it out, you ain't a candidate. Faithfulness. They only found two. I know, buddy. I'm there with you. <laughs> That's when you know you're preaching good right there. Listen to this. The best way you can grow your talent is find someone with your gift that is farther than you and run until you catch up with them. Listen to this. In NASCAR, you don't have to have the fastest car to win the race. You just got to be a smart driver. And they got something in NASCAR called the draft. And the draft is this, is you could get your car next to the fastest, man. Come on, somebody. And you could stay right up on his bumper. You can draft him, and he will slingshot you around. Where did I learn that? Cold trickle on Days of Thunder. You got to be a student. <laughs> Listen to this. I'm, I'm preaching this fast. Hear me? Cole Trickle was one of the greatest NASCAR drivers ever happened. He won the Daytona 500 with, with nothing but high gear lift in his car and wrecked it. People look, oh, golly, what's he doing? 
Listen to this, Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. 29. You say, Pastor John, I just want a bigger platform in my life. Why won't God grow me? Why does not he extend the gift in my life? Listen to this, Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. 29. I'm fitting to answer it for you. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Gosh, that's good. That means if I cultivate the gift in my life, God just promised me right here in the book of Proverbs, I ain't going to stand before unknown people. I ain't going to have to go before hicks that don't understand the gift on my life because I cultivate it. How many is that? Dr. Miles Monroe died on the plane in the Bahamas. How many know what I'm talking about? He's a little boy. That's all he prayed. This is what Fios, when he was sitting, we were sitting, we were sitting in the rocking chairs, and he looked at me and said this. He said, Dr. Miles Monroe, he said, he won't be brilliant. So he read all the books. He said, what took him from dirt floor in Bahamas to plain was his mind. You got to, whatever your gift is, you got to craft it every day. Steve coming here two weeks ago, tired on Wednesday night. And, and you ain't even fell asleep one time today in this service. I'm proud of that, okay? <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to this. But he's tired, but you said what? I've been sitting through class all day. See, listen, he don't need to go to a class to learn how to run a saw. But he's got to stay updated on his skills because the times are constantly evolving. This is why you will see me, my children see me with a book in my hand all the time. I'm not studying for something to say. If I didn't read another book, I could preach to the Lord comes home and gets me or I'm 95 years old. Just like what William, Br- I mean, not William Brandon, Brandon Manning's mentor told him. He said, Brandon, you do not need any more insights into the faith. You have, he said, you have 300, you, you, could, you, could, you could live on the insights you have for the next 300 years. He said, Brandon, you just need to trust what you already have. That's a good word for us in this room this morning. We don't need another sermon. We just need to trust what we've already been given. Now, here's the deal. When you excel in your gift, the promises of Proverbs 22 says you will stand before great people. If you want a greater stage, craft your gift. Mm. Most five-talent people, I've already said this, have been through hell. Listen to this, Ecclesiastes 4.4. Again, I saw for every toll, for all toll of every skillful work, a man is envied by his neighbor. All right, so you're crafting your skill. You're going to be the best recon man that the world's ever seen. You're going to be the best tactical dude we've ever seen. Come on now. Then the natural byproduct of you being the best is you envy. The reason why people down Alabama left and right because we can't beat them. Now, I'm a Georgia fan, but you can't, we ain't beat him. I don't want to hear nothing about no three quarters. We beat him on the spreadsheet. And what I looked at on my TV was the confetti falling, and we had the sad faces. Come on, somebody. And he was the one up there kissing the trophy. That's what winning looks like. And the reason why people hate them is because they're the tallest tree. Come on, somebody. And they have skilled their craft. Oh, my God. And this, let me, let me, I'm, I'm, I've got to be done. But this is why when we have community gatherings, we got to let the weakest communicator get up in front of the crowd. Because as long as we got Johnny Weakneed up there, 
skipping through the tulips. We just, brother, let us just humbly bow our head. Man, I'm, I'm out there today, ain't I? But the reason why we can't let the strongest man get out there and swing a sickle, because we're scared to death if he gets out there and swings a sickle, we're going to lose our few people we got, and they're going to go over there to his church. But the deal is, when I pray, I don't, I don't pray for church transfer, which is most of the growth that happens in the South anyhow. Because you got upset at that church, you transfer and go here to the new church. And if you, if you find the perfect church, don't join it because you're going to ruin it, okay? So here's the deal. There's plenty of stuff out there to swing the sickle at and not have to worry about church members. So here's the thing. We can establish this, that all of us in this room are gifted different. Now, when it comes to the five talents, Five-talent people are like Joseph in the Bible. Joseph was a five-talent person. Joseph wasn't called to run a convenience store. He was called to run a nation. Are you with me now? But you look at the process in Joseph's life. Everybody wants, listen, everybody wants the title. Everybody wants their name on the sign, but they don't want the process in which Joseph endured. Joseph was sold by his brothers. He was sold as a slave. Come on, somebody. He was put in Potiphar's house, and finally by now he can at least start living just a little bit easier and have a better life. And then Potiphar's wife lied upon Joseph, said she tried to rape him. Come on, somebody. Then he was thrown into prison. That was the process in which it took him to run a nation. All right. Five talent. According to this that we just read in this parable, and I've got, I've got the... I've got to pull it closed right here with this. The two-talent people love hanging out with one-talent people because it does produce a little pride and arrogance to the two-talent. You know you're a little stronger than them, and you don't mind hanging out with them. But let me tell you this, where the two-talent, which is the majority of where we are in the church, okay? Can, can you with me? If we just going on this scale... A lot of us, including me, I'm putting myself in this category because I know what it's like to think I was a captain. It got me about four more years. <laughs> so if I'm a two-talent, I, I love two-talent people. I, I mean, I really like hanging out with one-talent people. But when the five-talent shows up, the one-talent people go bury what they have in the sand. I'm not even worthy to even walk around in people. I mean, my God, I'm leaving the worship team right now. You heard her sing? Oh, wit. That's, that, I mean, Celine Dion came touch that. Just go bury your talent in the sand. That is not the approach that God desires to happen. And what happens, the reason why you go bury your talent is it has nothing to do with the five talent. It has everything to do with your insecurity. Get secure in who you are in God. Start walking around with your one talent like you got something. If you walk in the room with one talent, listen here. If you walk in the room and you, and you believe you're not enough, you will be automatically received as not enough. Now, I ain't going to lie. Terry says this. I love showing up in the camo crocs and act like I don't know what's going on and then start talking a little bit. And they be like, oh, he's been somewhere besides Academy to get some camo crocs. <laughs> you with me? But here's the thing. Now, here's, let me show you the five talent. The five talent cannot stand hanging with two talents. You get a five talent, if a five talented musician come in here, he's gone in six weeks. 
Y'all give me, that's the, that's the horn blowing off. They got the chicken just come out in the pot, okay? Listen, we, we closing, I'm closing. Five-talent person coming, a five-talent musician coming here. He going to come in here, love on Matt and all this. He going to talk to me. He leaving. Let me tell you one reason why he ain't staying. Because we don't got enough money to hire a professional sound engineer. He plays in Nashville, Tennessee. He don't want to come in here and play with scrubs. I'm, I'm just talking the truth about where we're at if we want the next level. He plays with skillful people that has honed their gift down. When Bethel wanted to get to the next level, Bill brought Don Potter out there. And Bill thought he had the latest, greatest sound equipment in this room. And Don told him, he said, if you want to do what you're going to do, he said, the first thing you do is you take that sound system and you're going to throw it out there in the field and burn it. What? Do you realize how much we got in? I don't care how much you got in the sound system. Let me tell you the figures in which you think to have to go to if you want to launch it worldwide like you're talking about. And he started throwing out with seven zeros on the end of it. Not no $15,000 sound system. We're going to come down here and buy Austin and pick it up. You're going to have to get somebody that wires in the Falcon Stadium. Come on, y'all. I'm trying to talk to us here. And what happens is we got to grow out of this little insecure bucket and just let feed out of something besides Sparks and Adele. There's a whole lot bigger fish out there. I refuse to live in the goldfish bowl. Come on, somebody. Hear me? When we got ready to look at I'm tired of bringing everybody up in here to look at this sound that runs Granny's sound system. That ain't where we go. Find me somebody that does something professionally and bring them in here. About the first time they cut this one said, well, you're going to pay me when I leave the house. Do what? We the church. <laughs> Listen. He said, yep. Yep. Such and such hour. I'm thinking, my God, man, you a surgeon? Pay me when I leave the house and when I go back. But let me tell you what I found. I had, God had to get rid of some of my poverty thinking. That number sound astronomical, right? But it beats paying someone $20 that runs Granny's sound system that's got 85 hours that can't fix nothing. A professional walk in here in 10 minutes and say, boom, that's your problem. Fix it. Write the check and let's go. I'm telling you, I'm about loaded, right? When we brought the country club in over there in Alma, no, we didn't bring it in. We prayed it in, though, by the Spirit of God. Listen to this. Buffet lunch, $15.95. Prime rib, shrimp, five, six different types of meat, full dessert bar, everything loaded. This is what people, my God, that's the highest I've ever seen. Let me tell you something. Pull, in the, pull the carpet in the Dairy Queen, five head of kids. Give us six, six strips, chicken, bill, $55. For five more dollars, you could have ate at the country club. It's the mentality that's killing us. All right. So five talent comes in. Five talent looks at our stuff and says, mm, good Lord of mercy. This sound I can't even hear. We got our earbuds is off Amazon. But we're trying to roll. We're trying to live it. Come on now. We're trying to be it. They're struggling. We got people, that, you know what I'm saying? And they, they start asking us notes and keys and stuff. I mean, we, they ask us what keys we sing in. We pull out our car keys. 
This is professional. Listen, the one talent don't even believe he can make it on the stage. It's the same thing in the area of business. If you're trying to get a business off the ground like you're doing, Shane, when an established businessman comes, what the natural response in your heart is to go bury what you got. But you can't look at what you got in seed form. You got to see it grown in your hand, even though it is in seed form. Come on, y'all. I don't go home thinking I got some little 150 people gathered up in sparks waiting on the rapture. I see you as an army arising in this place to bring change in this region. You cannot bury your talent. You got to get with somebody that is bigger than you, that knows more, that's out there that you can hook up to. Now, when you hook up to them, they're not going to talk to you like they're your, that like. Like you're the best friend. You've got to decide whether you want a mentor or a friend. Y'all right with this? I, I, I'm, I'm closing. This is my final close, okay? I got to quit, but I can, I'm not done. One talent, he goes and hides what he's got. He goes, listen, you cannot hide what you have. The body needs what you have, even if it's one talent. Listen. Let me just let me finish with this. The five talent person is not going to look at you and say it's okay. It's just okay. The five talent people that I've been around in my life, Riddle made me want to kill them when I left. I got in the car after conversation. Said God, if I didn't have the Holy Ghost, I'd be on the front page of the paper. Kind of like what they see. When you go counsel someone with finances and you ask a question, you're a tither. And then six months later, they want to meet with you because they're still broke because they don't tithe. You're looking for a friend, not a mentor. You're looking for some sympathy. And Jesus never offers sympathy. He offers compassion. Sympathy gets down and wallers with you and it has no power to bring you out of that. But compassion carries a grace of empowerment to you to pull you up out of that hole. That's why it says Jesus was moved with compassion. All right, so five talent people, we welcome them. When we come in, we got to realize what's in our midst. You with me? We begin to adjust our heart. We don't move in envy or jealousy. We start saying, hey, man, how do you do what you do? Show, show me how you do. What, let me just say this. I've never met a five talent person. That was not cognizant of the time. You ever been around a wealthy person just say, I don't worry about what time it is? He always. Because they're going to maximize their 24 hours. And what makes the wealthy different from us because they utilize their 24 hours different than we do. We take our four and a half hours on Facebook trying to figure out what's going on with the world. Oh my God, I'm about to quit today. Can you believe that? They just put on there they was going to the bathroom, play for them. Lay down and another day's gone that you ain't skilled nothing in your life. You've not honed your gift. And then next year at this time, you're at the same place spiritually, financially, physically. You are right now and you wonder what in the world has happened. Lord, I'm going to be voted out. 
All right, here's the deal. Joseph, a five-talent person. I'm closing right here. This is final closing. The five-talent person had to develop this. His gifting was not enough, and your gifting will never be enough to stand on any stage. Neither will nobody else's gifting be enough to stand on the stage. You have to develop something beyond your gifting. It's called the reservoir of his presence. Joseph thought he was there ready to obey the voice of God when he was in Potiphar's house, but he did not tap into the reservoir of the presence of God until he got two years into prison. The two years into the prison showed him to tap into something beyond his ability and beyond his talents, and that was God himself. And him tapping into that well on the inside of him is what freed him from prison. Because Joseph was never destined to run a household. He was destined to run a nation. Finishing with this. The one-talent person, you said, well, Pastor, you preach a lot about the five-talent people, and they're great and all that, and that's grand. But I'm just a one-talent person. What could I ever do with my one-talent? I'll show you the one-talent person. One of them, example of them in the Bible, is found in the book of Luke, and her name is Anna. Anna was married for a man with a man for seven years. Her husband died after seven years of marriage, and the Bible says she spent the rest of her days, 84 years of them, praying and fasting. And in her time of prayer and fasting, she heard this one word called Messiah. And she began to lay there and fast and pray and call forth that Messiah into the earth. And before she died, she stood before the King of Kings in infant form and declared him to be the Messiah. Whatever gift you have, you have to use it for the glory of God. All of us are not called to stand up here and hold a mic. And you think that holding this mic is easy? You stand up here and look at the things which I see. <gasps> oh, when you've studied at least 20 hours to bring forth something, you better know you called to do it. His little boy went to his pastor and he said this. He said, do you see God? He said, no, I do not see God. He said, but I do Receive divine revelations from him. He said, well, how much do you get paid? He said, well, most of my pay is not monetarily, but I do receive strong spiritual payments. And he said, well, son, he said, have you ever decided to serve the church or to become a pastor? He said, not really. He said, I don't want to work for someone I can't see and does not even pay minimum wage. Stand up and let's pray. How many is ready to use what you've been given? Let me tell you something. God's got so much more on your life than coming here to just hear me preach. This is a place where we draw encouragement, get strengthened and trained. There's a whole world awaiting your gift outside the walls of this church. God's given you ability to sing. One thing about this, when it comes to the worship, I have had the privilege of seeing I know at least some three or four talents come on the stage. But let me tell you where a two talent to blow them away is the presence of God. Terry, you've never grabbed a microphone in this church that the power of God did not fall. Sing. That's what God called you to do. You like Miriam, sing. Put it out there. When you sing that song, Defender, are we going to make it? You sing it with more authority than anybody can in this room gifting or whatever because you've lived it it's your testimony and it brings life to this body (laughs) 
whatever it is. Father, we thank you today for your mercy, for your grace, for your word. We thank you for the gifts of God that you have placed upon this church and upon this body. I thank you that there is a strong gift, a strong gifted people that is standing before me today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to divinely love our neighbors. Don't let us be envious. Don't let us be jealous. Let us learn from one another. Let us be able to be mentored and be coached to the next level. And Father, I pray that today would just be a wake-up call. To just We could sit down and examine ourselves and where are we at. What do I need to do to get to the next level? But I refuse to stay where I'm at. I'm going to get there by God's grace and mercy. And I pray, Father, you would begin to help us. I pray, Father, you begin to drop strategies and wisdom into our life. Lord, of the areas that we need to tighten up, Father, highlight them, and we're going to tighten them up. But, Father, help us to not bury no talent because we don't feel like. Break all of that insecure stuff off of us, God. And, Father, let us rise into our truest identity and who you called us to be. I may not be the best linguist. I may not be the greatest communicator. I may, I may, I may get all my grammar mixed up, God, where I may say is when I'm talking about plural people. But, God, what, what, all of that, you still called me. And, Father God, I, I must preach this gospel. And so, Lord, I just thank you right now for putting strong identity in us, breaking all that insecurity off of us, raising us up to a place, God, Lord, that you called us to be, and let us run this race with endurance. Give us strength to stand, knowing today that when we leave here, you are with us, as Matt said. You're with us in the storm. Whatever we hear, you're with us. And, Lord, I bless this people today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you all. We'll see you here on Wednesday night. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week. Mm -hmm.